Amen. Before we turn to God's word this morning, stand as we look to him for his help in prayer. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we approach Thee once again this morning and we confess our deep need unto Thee. Thou knowest, Lord, how weak and how frail we are. Thou knowest how inadequate we are to come to Thy Word, to speak of Thy Word, to hear Thy Word, to seek to rightly divide the Scriptures of truth. But, O Lord, we thank Thee that it is through this means, this foolishness of preaching, that thou hast ordained to save them that believe. We thank thee also, Lord, that thou hast promised that thy word will not return unto thee void, but will accomplish that whereto thou hast sent it. And also, Lord, that thou hast promised to give the Holy Ghost to them that ask. So we plead all of these promises before thee now, O Lord. We pray that thou would give the help of thy spirit, that as thy word is opened and as it is preached, that there would be liberty in the preaching of the word, that there would not be the voice of man that is heard, but the word of God. We pray that thou would give the help of thy spirit in the hearing of the word, that every heart here gathered would have their hearts prepared by thee, would have their minds and their hearts emptied of everything else, they would be fit receptacles to receive the blessing of God from thy word this morning. We pray for those that are unable to be here. There be those who are listening in. Those, Lord, who have no means to listen in. We pray that this morning there would be a portion for them. Yea, Lord, we pray for a double portion to be given to those who long to have the means of grace, but yet in providence have them not. We pray for those who are going through dark valleys, that thou would encourage them, that thou would whisper to them, that they would hear that word behind them saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. That they would know that underneath and all around are the everlasting arms. For those that seek thy will to be made known to them, for those that face decisions in life, we pray that thou would reveal thyself to them. For those, O Lord, who gather here as thy children, Oh, how we pray that thou would grant them a burden for the kingdom of Christ. Lord, we pray that thou would break hearts for the souls of those around us who are perishing. That thou would arouse us, awaken us, stir us up to serve thee in the work ahead. So, Lord, now we come. We pray that the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ would have free course and be glorified in our midst. And we pray for thy presence to be a felt reality. For these things we ask only for the glory and for the praise of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, we turn back this morning to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1 and in God's will we return to the last uh, three verses of this chapter I had planned of course to finish Joshua 1 last week uh, but in the will of the Lord um, he would have us come again to 
these final three verses and spend a little more time on them uh, than we would have done last week. Uh, verses 16 to 18 then of this chapter. And they answered Joshua saying, All that thou commandest us we will do, and whithersoever thou sendest us we will go. According as we hearkened unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. Whosoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandment, and will not hearken unto thy words, and all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. Only be, that, only be strong and of a good courage. Well, last week we saw Joshua take his first steps towards the work ahead. But contrary to how we might have acted, Joshua did not surge ahead. He did not rush forward in some haphazard manner. Rather, he behaved with this remarkable restraint and control. We saw that God's work, being such an immense work, being a difficult work besought with enemies and perils, being a long-haul work, it needed to be carefully and methodically organised. We also saw that the organisation of the work was for the purpose of making the people ready to arise and go over Jordan, to possess the land of promise. But we also noticed that although there was this high degree of planning and getting ready and much preparation that was made, the preparations themselves were not the source of dependence for the people. They were depending squarely upon the Lord. If there was to be any success in this work, it would come from the Lord. The previous success that had been accomplished in the defeat of Sion and all kings of the Amorites, and that occupation of the first share of the land of promise on the east side of Jordan, it was a perpetual and a tangible reminder that the Lord would be the one who would grant success in the work ahead. Now, now having passed on God's words, now having sought to rouse the people to the work, Joshua now waits to hear their response. We saw last week how, and over the past number of weeks, how applicable this situation here that Joshua faced and the people faced, how applicable it is today in the work of the gospel. How the principles that are in view here, they're not mere morals of the story. They're principles that God has given and laid down for us. That we take and we apply to the same gospel work that we do today that Joshua was doing in his day. We see then that we are faced as a congregation, as a denomination, as the people of God today. We are faced with the work ahead of the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Of taking the gospel into all the world. Of going out and compelling them to come in. And preaching the gospel to every creature. And now Joshua waits to hear how the people will respond to this charge. In effect, what Joshua has been saying to the people is this. Are you with me? 
Are you up for this gospel service? How are they going to respond? What will their answer be? Well, we'll see this morning that they responded with determination to work. Determination to work. Notice firstly in verse 16 that the people, they declare their readiness to go forward in the work ahead. And they answered Joshua saying, All that thou commandest us we will do, and whithersoever thou sendest us we will go. Now these words that we have now, they're the words of the officers that were representing the two and a half tribes. They answer in exactly the same terms that were used, the same words that were used, whenever Moses granted them their inheritance in the first place. They speak of being sent, of being sent over Jordan. Unlike the other tribes who will be going over Jordan never to return, here we have a people who are being sent away from their rest. They have been granted their inheritance on the east side of Jordan, but they are to go out. They are to go forward. But in all that they say here in this verse, we are confronted with such eager and determined resolve to give themselves entirely over to the work ahead. The first thing to note about this declaration is that it calls to mind their previous commitment. In these words that they say here, we have a pledge of willingness. There's no hesitation. They don't miss a beat. And they answer Joshua saying, all that thou commandest us we will do. But yet, it's not a rash willingness either. These sentiments that they now express were not original to this occasion on the east side of Jordan when they're ready to go over the river. They are repeating the same promise. The same promise that they made when they were granted their inheritance in the first place. Turn over to Numbers 32. Numbers chapter 32. It's a situation just after the land has been, or the the victory has been won (coughs) against those kings of the Amorites. They have come out against them and the children of Israel have defeated them. We saw last week this is the first occasion in which land was conquered by the children of Israel. They'd won other battles. But this was their first conquest. And whenever they were granted their inheritance, these two and a half tribes, they came to Moses and they said, this piece of land suits us well. And they pledged to Moses that day that when they were given their inheritance, that they would go and fight for the conquest of the whole land. They were not opting out of the promise ahead. And look at verse 25 of Numbers 32, 25 to 27. Here's what we read. And the children of Gad and the children of Reuben spake unto Moses, saying, Thy servants will do as my Lord commandeth. Our little ones, our wives, our flocks and all our cattle shall be there in the cities of Gilead. But thy servants will pass over every man armed for war before the Lord, to battle, as my Lord saith. You see those words? Those are the same words that we now meet with. Now the time has come. 
We see the willingness that the people expressed then and now on the east side of Jordan. It was not a rash willingness. It was no flash-in-the-pan commitment. It was not a hasty pledge. There was no bravado here. Rather, what we have back here in Joshua chapter 1, what we have is a conviction of heart. There's a determination that has been a long time imprinted on the hearts of these men. We saw last week that how having these tribes now in our frame of view, it points us back to that earlier victory in God's work. How that that conquest of the eastern settlement was but an earnest of God's promised help in conquering all of the remaining lands. But it also serves as a reminder to these tribes that they have now committed themselves. They have pledged to do their part in taking possession of the rest of the land. They were ready then, back in Numbers, Coming back to Joshua 1, they are ready now. But also their declaration demonstrates the consecration of their entire lives. We read all that thou commandest us, we will do. And whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. Now they are saying we are ready to go. We go willingly. Whatever the demands might be, wherever they may be, we stand ready. That's the determination of these people. In the language used here, we read of all that thou commandest, and we read whithersoever thou sendest. The word translated all, and, what's, and whithersoever, it's the same word in both cases. And the word refers to a completeness, a totality. In other words, there is not anything that they're unprepared for. There is nowhere, not a place, that they're not ready to go to. Now bear in mind, in verse 14, we have these repeated details. Your wives, your little ones, your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side, Jordan. But ye shall pass before your brethren armed, all the mighty men of valour, and help them. From this we see that it's not simply a job that needs to be done. Back in Numbers 32, 26. Our little ones, our wives, our flocks, all our cattle shall be there in the cities of Gilead. The commitment that they make now, it will not simply involve the men folk to going and doing a little bit of work. What they're really saying is this. They are dedicating their entire lives their entire reason for existing, all of it in its entirety consecrated to the work of the Lord. Every last ounce of their being. They're not saying, okay, we'll go, but, you know, we do have families to feed. Oh, yes, we're willing, but we also have a, a living to earn. You know, these are real problems, Joshua. No, what they're saying is this. In our families, and in our work, and in our livelihoods, and in our neighbourhoods, in all that we have, in all that we do, in all that we are, we are consecrated entirely to this kingdom work. We will hold nothing back from the Lord. That's what these two and a half tribes are saying. But their dedication goes even beyond this. 
Notice, thirdly, that it also speaks of their courage in the face of danger. The first part of verse 18. We read, Whosoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandment and will not hearken unto thy words and all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. Now, though this is written in the third person, they're not saying him over there will be put to death if he doesn't do what he's told. No, what they're saying is every single one of us are in this to the death. We pledge our lives to this work. This consecration that they're demonstrating, this readiness to go forward, it's all the more notable whenever we think of what it was they were actually signing up for here. The work ahead was difficult, arduous, life-threatening work. They wouldn't simply be carrying about buckets of water or helping to put up a few tents. They would be going into hand-to-hand combat against seasoned, hostile forces who themselves would be fighting for their own survival. This determination that we see then in these men, it speaks of courage, it speaks of conviction, of dedication to the cause of Christ. We get a clear view in verse 18 of their preparedness here to sacrifice even their own lives in this cause. There's nothing, nothing that they would withhold from the Lord's work. Not a thing. No exceptions. They were already putting their lives, their familyhoods, sorry, and their livelihoods uh, under pressure as they were left behind. While these men went forward into battle, but here we see that they would give all that they had up to and including their own lives. For this purpose, To serve this grand purpose of taking possession of the land of promise. Friends, they were ready to go. The example that's set before us here this morning then it lays a challenge at the feet of every single child of God. Last week we were challenged concerning our stickability and gospel work. Are we ready for the work ahead? Are we prepared to go out and bring people in? Whatever form that may take. Are we prepared for repeated outward failures? Are we ready to fail? But to keep going. Are we ready to try and fail and try again? Well now the challenge runs even deeper than that. Are we prepared to lay down all that we have? All that we are? All that is dear to us? To lay it all down on the altar for God. Is that the readiness we have as God's people today? Are we prepared to consecrate our entire existence to this work? To the work of the gospel? Consecration is not some super Christian experience. That only the the elite Christians attain to. Absolutely not. It's the expectation of every single child of God. Of everyone who has already been granted their full inheritance. You've already got your place in the land of promise. But there are others who haven't. That's the principle at stake here. Whenever you were converted child of God. You surrendered your eternal soul to Christ. Whenever you gave up all prospects of attempting to accomplish your own salvation at that moment, all that you had, all that you are, all of it was pledged to Christ. 
Isn't that the truth? Isn't that what it is to come to Christ? And now, friends, the time has come to make good on that pledge. Now the call is to take your family, your job, your business, your reputation, your energy, your time. You take it all, whatever it is you have, whatever God has given to you. You take it all and you give it to the Lord for his service. Wherever you are, whatever you do, you do it with this kingdom work in view. And the New Testament is full of this teaching. In Colossians 3, we read, And whatsoever ye do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord, and not unto men. Over in 1 Corinthians 10, we read there, Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Now see what it's saying. It's not saying don't eat, and don't drink, and don't work. What it's saying is whatever it is you do, do it for this purpose. Get this into your minds. Whatever your stage in life, from the youngest to the oldest, whatever it is you're capable of doing, do it all for this purpose. That the kingdom of Jesus Christ would go forward. I think the teaching is completely summed up in the words of Romans 12 verse 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God. That ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This, friends, is the challenge that we are brought face to face with this morning, is everything that you do in your life, everything contributing in some positive way to the spread of the gospel. Is this your life? Is this all that matters to you? Why do you work? Do you work for money? Do you work to pay the bills? Do you work because the Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat? These are all good reasons for working. But is this the fundamental purpose of everything that you do? That the gospel of Jesus Christ would be spread across the little bit of the world that you can touch? Are you ready to go forward in the work ahead? Well, in the second place this morning, coming to verse 17, we see that the people there, they declare their recognition of God's authority. Verse 17 reads, According as we hearkened unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. Now, it is very important this morning not to miss the point here. They are not merely saying that they had previously been loyal to Moses. And as, as a result of that, they will now also be loyal to Joshua. Now that's the practical effect of what they're saying. But what they are really saying is this. As God had vested Moses with authority, they now recognize that God has vested Joshua with that same authority. It's not just because they like Joshua they're going to go after him. Consider the commands that Moses gave them. At the point at which Moses granted them their inheritance, to the, the inheritance to these tribes, he gave them this commandment in Numbers 32. 
Go, all of you armed over Jordan before the Lord until he had driven out his enemies from before him. This was a clear command from Moses that they would be put to work. They would not enter into their rest, into their inheritance, until all of that work was done. But it was no mere bargain between Moses and the officers of these tribes. Rather, it was the very word of God himself. This is seen clearly when we read on in Numbers 32. We get to verse 23 and we meet with this warning. But if ye will not do so, behold, ye have sinned against the Lord. And be sure your sin will find you out. To fail in this point, to fail to go out and to go before the other tribes as they take possession of their inheritance, to fail to do it was not simply to break some mere civil contract that they had made with Moses. It wasn't just a condition in the title deeds of that land on the east side of Jordan. To fail to do this was to sin against the Lord. Now this was not stated in Numbers 32 in order to terrorise the people. It's a, it's a common verse, this, is it not? It's often used to terrorise people. But it's not stated here to terrorise them. It's not saying do this or else. Rather what we have here is typical covenant language from God. God has given them an inheritance. But once they are in possession of that inheritance, then they owe a duty of obedience. It was not their obedience that would bring them into their inheritance. It was their inheritance that brought them to obedience. For this morning, this is the key point. It was a duty to God. It was a duty to God. This previous exchange that they had with Moses, it was on God's authority, not on the authority of Moses. So whenever they say, as we hearkened unto Moses in all things, what is in view is their acceptance of the authority of God. Now compare that with the commands that Joshua has now given them. In verse 13 to 15. Verse 13 begins like this. Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you. What Joshua had to say to the people was absolutely no different whatsoever from what Moses had said previously. In fact, he quotes Moses' words. He says in verse 14 that they were to pass before your brethren armed. The same words. The authority with which Joshua here commands the people then is the exact same authority as that with which Moses had commanded them. It was on God's authority. Their true loyalty then is to the authority of the Lord, not to any man. It didn't matter whether it was Joshua or Moses. It didn't matter if it was any other man. So long as that man was God's commissioned authority, that's what mattered. As long as it was God's man. They knew that the words that Moses gave them were God's words. They knew that if Moses said that God would do something, then he was speaking on God's behalf. They had confidence in the promises of God. They trusted him absolutely. 
There was no condition attached to God's word or God's promises. They would believe them unhesitatingly. They're going to take God at his word. Only, only let the man be God's man and we will go with him. When it comes then to the work that we do today, when it comes to the gospel work today, this is of the utmost importance. We mustn't, child of God, we mustn't fall into this trap of only ever getting behind our favourite man. The one that ticks all our boxes. It is the Lord that we serve and no man. Men come and go. Some are better than others. Some are more faithful than others. Men fall. They falter. They fail. They learn. But they also forget. But God's authority is absolute. The work of God can only suffer whenever the commitment of the people, of any people, depends on their loyalty to a mere man. That's not God's work, friends. That's man's work. The best of men will only point you to Christ and to his authority. This is the dependence that these tribes had. This is the dependence that we need today as the church. It's the church of Christ, no matter the man. Even when there is no man. The loyalty is to the authority of God as revealed in his word. So your commitment then, child of God, your consecration is to the Lord. It's to the cause of Christ. It's not to any mere human leader. The requirement then this morning of each child of God in this congregation, each one of you, each and every one of you, the requirement is this, that you give yourself entirely all that you have, all that you are, give it over to the work of the Lord and give it with this commitment. Whatever his word says, I will do. Wherever his work needs me to go, I will go. Declare, friends, declare your recognition of God's authority. But then finally, this morning, we see that they declare that they are resting on God's word. Or we could put it like this. They pray God's promises back to him. Look at the end of both verse 17 and verse 18. Only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. And in verse 18, only be strong and of a good courage. At the end of each of the statements in which they declare their determination and their commitment, there is a phrase that begins with only. And in both occasions, the words that come after the only are familiar words. The words that we have seen over these last number of weeks. They are the precise words that God gave as promises to Joshua in verse 5 and in verse 6. There's a double sense in a way in these words. Insofar as they are addressed to Joshua, they reflect an encouragement that Joshua would be all that God would have him to be. They're given to Joshua to strengthen him, to fortify him, to encourage him, to confirm him in his office. But as these people repeat them, Back to Joshua in that sense. They are 
an expression of the sincere desire of their hearts. Do you see what's happening here? This is their longing. This is what they care about. This is what they want to happen. This is what they are praying for. In effect, they are saying this, Oh, that Joshua would be strong and of a good courage. Oh, that God would be with Joshua as he was with Moses. In other words, they are taking God's words of promise and they are praying them back to God. And they're praying in faith. They're praying knowing that they will have the answer because they are God's promises. And this for being taken, taken back to see that all along here, all along they are being taught to depend entirely upon the Lord. They're not trusting in their own determination. They're not trusting in their own hard work. They're not trusting in their own courage. They are prayerfully committing the entire cause to the Lord. In repeating these exact words that God used to make promise and exhortation to Joshua, we have here a manifest token of that dependence that these men have on God's word and on God's word alone. They're not going to go over any Jordan unless they know that's what God would have them to do. They're not going into any battle unless they are assured that it's a battle for the Lord. But if God says it, they believe it. They knew that the Lord would be faithful because they had experienced it firsthand. They've already seen it. They've seen it in their own experience. They've seen it in the conquest of Sion and Og. They've seen it when they came to inherit the land of promise, to be given that inheritance, to have it made out to their name, to have a place in heaven. They saw it then and they knew it was true. And so they pray. Isn't it interesting how that certain belief that they have that God will do something leads us to pray for it. We pray because we believe. Prayer in many ways is easy to overlook when it comes to the busyness of it all. Whenever the tasks mount up, whenever things need to be done. But do we not see this morning that prayer is indispensable? We saw something of this in Thursday evening. Prayer out of the sincere longing of the heart, not simply saying prayers, but crying unto God with this passionate belief that he will hear and he will grant our petition. How do we know? Because he promised us that he would. God has said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Arise, go over this Jordan. How do we know then that God will bless it? Because he told us to go. He has promised us. And so, yes, we get up and we go out, but then we follow it all up with prayer. We pray before, we pray during, we pray after. We pray, we pray, we pray because God has commanded us to pray. But because we believe from the depths of our heart that God keep his word. In effect, the prayer here can be summarized as this. Thy kingdom come. 
That's what we pray for when it comes to God's work. We're praying for his cause to advance. We're praying for those things that he has promised that he will perform. He has promised that he's going to conquer the land. He has promised that he will win the battles. So we pray that right back to him. We're never out of line then, child of God. Never are we out of line. Whenever we come to God in prayer and we boldly beseech him to give prosperity and good success to our gospel labours. Some have been out and about. Some have been inviting people in, speaking a word in season. We've been striving to live that consistent Christian witness. Whatever it might be. Whatever the labour might be that the Lord has for you to do. But now we season it all with prayer. All of it. God says to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So your prayer then this morning is this, Lord, I have gone out. Lord, I have compelled them to come in. So, Lord, bring them in. Bring them in. It's the Spirit's work. Conquer this land for Christ. That's our prayer to the Lord. He is the sovereign God of salvation. And so we trust him. But with this in mind all the time, friends. This work ahead is long term work. There will be many signs of failure. There will be many prayers that are a long time in being answered. There are many hopes that we will have that the Lord is working in some soul only to see those hopes dissipate. But we are not called this morning to measure success. There is no measuring anywhere in this chapter. There is no counting. There is no adding it up. We are called to go out armed before our brethren to do the work and to leave the results with God. Those results may be a long time coming. But God has promised that you will have prosperity and good success. The church of Jesus Christ will be triumphant. Well, this morning we leave Joshua now. He is still on the east side of Jordan. He's making preparations. He's being careful and, careful and methodical. He's being prayerful. He's ready to go. And there's all of God's people with him. You can see them all there in the plains of Jordan. Looking out over that river. Looking at the walls of Jericho. And they are all with him. They're all with him. And they all have determination to work. May God bless his word to our hearts. Let's stand for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank thee for thy mercies and thy kindness that are shown towards us as a people. We thank thee, O Lord, that as we come to thee as thy people, that we have already been conquered for Christ. That the land on which we stand is our promised land. That we have our inheritance in heaven. 
that inheritance is reserved, that rest is reserved for us until this land is conquered. So Lord, we pray this morning that thou would give us this fortitude, give us this determination to go, give us this readiness, this willingness, this consecration of heart, that we would lay ourselves down at thy feet this morning. We would serve thee. Wherever thou would have us to go, whatever thou would have us to do, whatever thou hast put within our reach, that we will stretch our reach. We will do what thou hast given us to do and we will do it faithfully and prayerfully with this determination and consecration. We will pray all those promises back to thee and we will believe. But, O oh Lord, help us not to be discouraged by the slowness of our progress, by the seeming failures that we meet with. Help us to trust thee, Lord. Help us to give ourselves to thee and to thy work not counting the successes that we do and don't see, not counting our failures, but giving ourselves to thee, committing ourselves to thee, saying that as, as God was with Moses, so he will be in the work today. Give us, Lord, that consecration. Give us that solemnity of heart that says we will go. We will fulfill our pledge. We will serve thee. O come and warm our hearts, we pray. Revive the hearts of thy people. And take us forward in thy name. For we pray it, asking these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And for his sake. Amen. Amen. We'll close this morning with Psalm 20. Singing from verse 3 to 9. Psalm 20 from verse 3, the end of the psalm at verse 9. And after we have sung these words, we'll ask our brother Stuart Farms to give the benediction. Psalm 20 from verse 3. Let him remember all thy gifts, accept thy sacrifice, grant thee thine heart's wish, and fulfill thy thoughts and counsel wise. In thy salvation we will joy, in our God's name we will display our banners, and the Lord thy prayers all fulfil. Now know I God his king doth save, he from his holy heaven will hear him, with the saving strength by his own right hand given. In chariots some put confidence, some horses trust upon, but we remember will the name of our Lord God alone. We rise and upright stand when they are bowed down and fall. Deliver, Lord, and let the King us hear when we do call. Psalm 20, singing from verse 3 to the end of the psalm. <clears throat> let him remember,
please stand for the benediction. In the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, with you all. Amen. Amen. Amen.